Let me get a 10-piece hot, extra crispy, extra wet. Let me get a blue cheese. Matter of fact, two. I'm on celery and fries and a peach drink. And make sure my fries is hot because they was cold last time. to the Extra Crispy, Extra Wet Podcast, hosted by the Young Aunties. Welcome, everybody, to the Extra Crispy, Extra Wet Podcast. Come on in the room. Come on in the room. Y'all know who it is. It's the Young Aunties, your favorite hostesses. What is a young auntie, you ask? Well, any woman moving, shaking, and living her best life out here doing the everyday, regular, regular, regular things that we do, you know, working, side hustling, chasing dreams, leading families, starting businesses, kicking ass, taking names, and trying to avoid being sexually assaulted while doing so. So what does a young auntie talk about? Everything. Whatever we want. World news, politics, sex, love, relationships. Our favorite wine, our newest travel destinations, that bitch that got you fucked up at work, fashion, gossip, celebrity news, finances, kids, you name it, we gonna discuss it. But above all else, we gotta focus on what's going on in in Atlanta, because we out here, all right? So we down here, like I said, in the South, Atlanta to be exact, and here we say it's rude to walk in the room and not speak and introduce yourself, so we're gonna do that first. Okay, kick us off. What's going on, everybody? Happy Thursday. Sorry we late. It's your Auntie Kirby, a.k.a. Where's Kirby Ann, a.k.a. The West Side Wooden If, and I'm checking in from the SWATs as usual. Yes, yes, yes. And we got a visitor on the line, a new auntie to introduce y'all to. Tell them who you are, ma'am. Hi, my name is Danny from Danny Vince Podcast, Chi-Town, Chicago, all day, every day, a six-piece wing. Lemon pepper, but I am vegan now, so it's cauliflower rings, fried heart. <laughs> Absolutely, I'm here for it. I love that. And I'm your favorite homegirl, Nick, from the old school. I thought you where we put it on you. All right, and it's just us three in, in this thing today, y'all. But we're gonna hold it down and keep this show moving. Uh, like Auntie Kirby says, sorry that we're late, we had some technical difficulties this week, and we're working through those. but we, we, we had to get this to you guys, so we'll be back on track next week. Stay tuned. Watch our social media. We may have some scheduling changes coming, but we will keep you all abreast on what is going on. Moving on. Y'all know how we got to start it. We got to do our wing order of the day. Kirby, what you got on your plate tonight, young man, young lady? That's right. Because I was trying to say young ma'am, it didn't come out right. I understand, Fred. It's all good. And it's, you know, it's adult Friday right now. So I got you. <laughs> uh I'm working with something Atlanta original. Uh anybody that remembers JR Crickets when it was off of Spring Street before the new location on North Avenue. A good old 20 piece, not mild, not hot, but a medium from JR Crickets. Oh. Extra crispy. Of course, we want the chunky blue cheese, but I'm definitely going to get some celery because hashtag you're going to have to chew them calories off. And I'm also going to go ahead and get a peach drink because hashtag it's not Atlanta, but it really is Atlanta. Um, And you know what? I'm also going to put a little dessert in there. I'm feeling like I want a little piece of cheesecake, but I'm going to be disrespectful with it. We're going to do some deep fried cheesecake with strawberries on top. Well, all right. That's right. Ran that down from the rooter to the tutor. Absolutely. 
All right, I'm feeling that. Miss Danny Vance, I know like you said, you like to keep it healthy. Tell me about them cauliflower wings. Some cauliflower wings, I fry those hard, get me some barbecue sauce, mix it up, put a little lemon pepper. I still use lemon pepper, even though I am vegan. Put a little garlic, you know, as far as African-American, black people, you know, we like to have our garlic, our onion powder, mix Absolutely. that up. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> and, and okay, so we've been we've been being educated about the Chicago wing standard order, the, the salt and pepper. Yep. Okay, tell us what if if we if you if you're a Chicagoan, how are you ordering your wings? Normally, if you go to like Harold's, normally for me, I would get a six piece. Well, I used to, shall I say, I get a six piece fried hard. I want lemon pepper. I don't always do salt. I do pepper. And then, of course, from Chicago, a lot of people know mild sauce. It's a little different than barbecue sauce. You can tell the difference. And then with our fries, they'll say extra mild sauce. Yes. You want mild sauce on your wings? Yes. Now, some of my people, they don't do mild sauce on their wings and fries. I do mild sauce on my wings and fries. Okay. And down here, we call, we like to say, I want, I want my fries wet or I want them saucy. Oh, no. We just be like, give me my mild sauce. And then we can see what you're doing. They be like, is that enough? Nope, one more time. That's enough. <laughs> and they say fried hard. We say extra crispy. Oh Absolutely. no, we like fried hard. <laughs> <laughs> so if we was up there, our podcast would be called Fried Hard Extra Wit. There you go. Fried hard with mouth sauce. That's right. <laughs> <That'll be our laughs> you are all familiar. right with well, the aunties plates are full. We ready to eat good. All right, and we moving on to my favorite part of the day. We still holding it down for Miss Jazzy. So, auntie of the day, auntie Kirby, who you got? We've got Jessica Watkins, who recently made history as the first black woman launched into space, uh, launched into space for an extended mission on the space station. Um, this actually happened yesterday. Uh, and uh, Ms. Watkins is 33 years old, um, and she was launching the space with three other astronauts uh, from the Kennedy Space Center, uh, off, of course, in Mary Island, Florida. And shout out to Cocoa Beach. I definitely got a chance to visit the Kennedy Space Center in high school as a part of NASA Shark. Walk the crawl and everything. That's a nerd, hashtag nerd life, everybody. Uh, quote, I think it's really just a tribute to the legacy of black women astronauts that have come before me, uh, as well as uh, to the exciting future ahead, Ms. Watkins said during an NPR interview. Uh, last November, actually, NASA announced Watkins would be the fourth and final seat on Crew Dragon for SpaceX's Crew 4 mission. Um, and that assignment actually meant that she would be the first black woman, like I said, joining an ISS crew for scientific research, uh, station maintenance, uh, training. And uh, actually, moreover, what the bigger part is, is over a six month period. Uh, that's a very long time to be in space. So uh, pr praying for her, make sure hopefully uh, her and all the crew come back safely. Um, and that uh, whatever their regenerative process is, because you do have to get reacclimated to Earth when you come back. But really, really excited about that. Black women are doing black things. Shout out to Jessica Watkins. You are auntie of the day. All right, all right. Definitely learned about somebody new as usual. Yeah. Um, six months is a really long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally adjusts your body. Sometimes people come back from space, they have to learn to walk again. Their muscles have atrophy. It's hard to get used to gravity uh, or the level of gravity that's here. Um, so like I said, praying that they all are good, get their research done, and get back safely. This is crazy. All right. Well, shout out to that auntie of the day. We appreciate you making history for us as we speak. All right, you guys, it's time to move into that good old meat and potatoes of the show getting into the menu before we get into those little topics that we love to discuss we got a special treat for you guys miss danny vince is here 
and I'm going to turn it over to Auntie Kirby because we're going to get to know her a little bit better because she cool as hell and we want y'all to know about it too. She also has some really good information for us and a lot of insight about something you may not have thought about and we want to learn about her podcast so you guys can follow her and keep up with her and support this auntie as well. Kirby? Absolutely. So thank you for the auntie, uh, auntie Nick. And also thank you, uh, Danny, for coming and joining us. We really, really appreciate it and really appreciate you being flexible. Um, let me get started with some of the topics that you mentioned you wanted to discuss. Uh, mental health, uh, inner happiness, and breast cancer awareness. Uh, but first, uh, start out by telling the people uh, where they can find you on the good old internet. Okay, sure. My name is Danny. I am on a podcast that I host called Danny Vince. So that's D-A-N-I Vince, the number three. That is my Instagram page. Also, you can follow me on Spotify. You can listen to me, Anchor, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. Um, Facebook, I do have Facebook. is Danny Vince 3, but I'm not really on there as much. It's mostly just my Instagram account, but of course, you can listen to me on all platforms. Absolutely. Thank you so much for that information. So, um, if you would, let's get into the mental health conversation. So, Tell me more about, you know, how you've been feeling about the last couple of years. You mentioned things like COVID, jobs, day-to-day life. What's been on your mind? Sure. So as far as mental health, I've always been big on mental health. Just a quick story time, just because when I was growing up, basically what happened was you saw a lot, especially in the Black neighborhood, you saw a lot. And my mom personally was the old school mom. I've mentioned that on my podcast before on a few episodes. She was the old school mom, old school. Like, of course, I used to be at church all day, every day, but not every day. You know what I mean? I was there on Sundays. They had conferences, Bible study in the summer. So my mom didn't drink. She did not smoke. She did not curse. I think the only curse word I ever heard my mom say was heifer. (laughs) So (laughs) with that being Mm -hmm. said, it was times that I saw where she should have lashed out at people or snapped at people. She never snapped. And as I got older as a teenager, I'm like, oh, my gosh, mom, why you didn't snap? No, no, that's not nice. And that's not right. So I saw her always be the bigger person. Mm-hmm. So that was good to see. But at the same time, that was not always good to see. Because it's like sometimes you should have snapped because some people deserved it. But my mm-hmm. mom always played the high card. And never did low. She never went low. She always did high. Only time I ever heard her really snap was the professional snap when she had to call and complain about like one time her car or something like that, and they wanna they didn't want to honor the warranty. Other than that, if anything else was wrong and she knew she should have snapped on someone, she never did. So as far as mental health, as a younger person, I was okay. But I did see, as far as childhood trauma, I did an episode on that. What it is, is my mom, you know, she showed love. Well, to me, she did because she took care of me. That kind of reminded me of that movie, uh, Brothers, with like Mm -hmm. Bill Bellamy and all of that. Remember, he told his mom, you never told him you love me. She was like, boy, be quiet. And he was like, mom, you won't even give me a hug. That was our relationship. She took care of me. I even went to private school. I stayed in the suburbs outside of Chicago. So it was like she took care of me, but emotionally, you know, I didn't do hugs with her. She didn't do kisses. We didn't hold hands. We didn't do none of that. 
but she came to take me to and from school. I was in dance practice. I was, you know, I went to the private school from uh, grade school to eighth grade. I went to private school, what, freshman year, sophomore year in high school, stayed in the suburbs at one point. So she took care of me, but not emotionally, if that if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, it definitely mm-hmm. makes sense. So Definitely something that happens in the Black community a lot. Yeah. So I learned about mental health at a young age just because I felt like personally, that's not right. And when I go to see like other friends, other family members, every time they saw me, Danny, hey, give me a big hug. How you doing, boo? You hungry? Everybody give me hugs and kisses. So as bad as that sounds, I knew from a young age, I had to surround myself with people that gave me love all the time, you know, hugs and kisses. Because I'm like, if I don't surround myself with hugs and kisses, I'm going to get, well, I'm going to become an adult and I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna know what to do when someone, whether it's a family friend, whatever the case may be, if they try to show me emotional love, I'm going to withdraw because I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle that. So, mm. I was also good with psychology in high school and in college. I studied psychology. That also helped me with mental health. And as far as the black community now, more and more, especially with the new generation, uh, our generation. I'm happy to see everyone when they know something is wrong, they're speaking out on it. People are right. going to therapy. People are going to church more. People are meditating more. People are, you know, doing the chakras. People are eating healthier. People are exercising because the stigma of black mental health, that goes all the way back to slavery. You know, generation, yeah. generation, generation. Nobody broke it. So people now are starting to break the generational curse. You have to break that generational curse or you're not going to survive at all. You have to break it. So with the last few years, with the world shutting down, I really, really felt so bad because some people I uh, did work with seniors and so forth. Some seniors, they didn't see their family members for like six months. Uh, People were saying that family members were sick. People that even if you didn't like your job, just getting out, whether you were taking the subway, whether you were taking the train, whether you were driving your car, taking Uber or Lyft, just that little socialization of the eight-hour day, that gave you social socialization time. So then right. when you started working from home, I've seen so many people on the blog say that they were getting depressed. Even though you really didn't like your job, but you liked your coworkers at your job, that was a chance for you to get out, put on makeup, get a fresh haircut, whatever the case may be. And at least get outside more, see your coworkers who you interacted with. None of that existed. So people became depressed and sad. So as of now, I'm glad a lot of people are feeling better mentally. Not all. Some are still a little depressed because that takes a toll on you. And then a lot of people were in the house eating. I think I was. Maybe some vegan uh, junk food I probably wasn't supposed to eat. I was snacking too. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> Uh, I was snacking too. I ain't going to put that on everybody else because I was snacking too. And then some people was like, I don't lost, I don't lost like five, 10 pounds because I was in the house all day depressed. Then y'all seen some people, I done gained 30, 40 pounds because I was in the house just eating. I was depressed and didn't know what else to do. I was just in the refrigerator all day. So I'm glad people are coming out of it, speaking on it. Some people have the choice to stay at home and work, and some people have the choice to go in the office. The people that like to socialize, they're going in the office. The people that like, uh, I like my job and I like that. I could be naked all day and work from home. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so 
I'm just glad a lot of people are speaking on mental health and realizing that it's important. It's essential because if you don't have good mental health, if you don't, you know, exercise, pray, watch TV, do yoga, talk to a therapist, talk to God, whatever the case may be, you're going to be out here lost. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. And um, I appreciate you sharing some of those personal stories uh, for sure. Tell me more about how your mental health journey has led you to inner peace. To inner peace? Well, my mental health journey has led me to mental peace, like inner peace, shall I say? It has because, like I stated, from a young age, um, I just had to always make sure I was okay. But I'm also that person, that friend, I'm going to always check on you. Even if I'm dead tired, I'm going to always check on you. I could have had a rough day, but I knew that you were going through something. I'm going to always check on you. So inner peace, whoo, that takes a lot to get to inner peace. Talk about it. Inner peace and inner happiness is definitely a journey. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And for me, I do the simplest things. I can just sit in the house all day and watch my favorite TV show. I was always the person I did not have to have everybody around me to feel comfortable with who I am. Cause I was mm-hmm. always the friend, especially in high school in college, I would be in the house and everybody like, Oh, Danny come outside. And I'm like, I'm in the house. You didn't get dressed there. I'm like, I've been in the shower. I'm just in the house in my pajamas on. Okay. Well, I'm come get you in like three hours. We out here tonight. Okay. Whatever. Let me know you, you outside. I'll be ready. Fine. But I've always had inner peace just knowing that, I got to look out for me. You cannot disturb my inner peace. When you let people disturb your inner peace, they will bring you down. Just like misery loves company. Oh, misery loves your company. Trust me when I tell you. Misery loves your company. Because Absolutely. as long as you keeping them company, they got their company. And you in, you in their face struggling mentally because you're trying to be friends with misery. You better tell misery kick rocks and you better go just chill in the corner by yourself. Absolutely. I'm totally here for misery kicking rocks because, <laughs> listen, it builds and builds and builds. It's almost like a fractal. Like if you if you bring certain types of energy in certain spaces, all it does is grow. And especially yes. if you have people around you that are feeding it. Um, so, again, thank you for that. Uh, moving to a little bit of a more serious subject, but it is also something that um, taking care of your mental health and being uh, at a space of inner peace and inner happiness is important for uh, breast cancer awareness. So. Um, first of all, I want to thank you for even sharing your story, but tell us a little bit more about your experience with, uh, with breast cancer. Okay. Yeah, sure. So the last, uh, well, the couple episodes I did doing my podcast, it was called health scare. Um, and then I did another episode called health scare part two. So no one knew, uh, no, no one wonder. knew. So I want to say a few months ago. I was minding my business, of course. You know, everybody's being butt naked in the shower, whatever the case may be. So I was like, la, la, la. So I was like, wait a minute. I feel something. And I was like, that don't feel right. So I felt my other side. And I said, that doesn't, hmm, you know, this feels different from this side. So I was like, I must just be, you know, tweaking. You know, like, I must just be going crazy, had a long day. Okay, whatever. So something told me to feel it again on my left side. And I was like, okay. So I felt it again, and I was like, that doesn't seem like that should feel this way. So I felt my right side. My right side felt normal. So I was like, okay, Danny, you had a long day again. This is not this. You know, I had to, like, shake my head, you know, like, I'm thinking I'm dreaming or something. Even though I'm in the shower, I'm like, something not right. You're like, am I up? 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I did it a third time. And the third time, I guess, was not denial. Even though I felt it the first time, felt it the second time. So the third time when I felt it, I was like, okay, let me call the doctor's office. This isn't right. Tell so me thought, more so about how it actually felt. Like what it type felt of... like a little... Mm-hmm. It felt like not a bump, maybe a ball. Felt like a little like ball. A ball. Okay. Yeah, it felt like a ball to me. And so I was like, let me call the doctor's office. So I called the doctor's office, called them, and they said, okay, you come in. Now, since I'm not 40, you know, um, I haven't actually had the actual mammograms. I've always had the physical mammograms. And my doctor, she's a black older lady. When I say she did the physical examinations on me before, I felt it was the same thing because I felt violated. You feel me? If anybody had the physical. <laughs> yeah. The it physical. A, it's an interesting sensation. <laughs> right. And I'm not that top heavy. I'm like a BC cup. You feel me? So all my friends that's like double D, you know, triple G, you get what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't see how y'all sit through that. I feel like you owe me dinner and lunch and, you know, bread <laughs> and breakfast. You know what I mean? I so I <laughs> she always felt me up. And then she like, it's almost done, Danny. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I feel And it okay. tickles a little bit uh, yeah, the way they do it because it goes in a circle. I, I don't even feel like it's ticklish. I just feel like we dating at this point. You get what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so my other doctor, because um, I normally see two black women. So the other one wasn't available. So I saw my other black doctor who I normally see. So she said, okay, lay back. So she did, you know, my left side. And so she was feeling, but not where it was. And I said, I know exactly where it's at. And I said, let me see your finger. And you can just feel it with the tip of your fingernail. She's like, oh, I do feel that. She's like, let me go to the right side. She's like, I don't feel it. So she told me nine times out of 10, it's probably a cyst. She said, people that have cysts, women that have cysts, you know, you could get removed or drained. And she said, some people do get it drained. She said, but what it is, is if you do get it drained, Danny, what will happen is sometimes that wall of the cyst, even though it's drained, it can still maybe attach later or something, something like that. She explained to me. She's like, well, it can be removed. I said, I think I would want it removed. So she said, all right, we're going to schedule you for um, the, what was that? The mammogram. So I said, okay, cool. So I went to the desk, they scheduled me, but I was freaking out because they said that the next availability was like two weeks out. So by this time, no one still knew. I think maybe one of my god sisters knew, and I think one of my friends maybe, but they're like, oh, Danny, it's probably a sis. You know, you young, you're not even 40 yet. You know, you in good health. You you good. So I'm like, okay, y'all right, whatever. But something inside of me, you know, is you you know yourself. You know if mm-hmm. something doesn't feel right to you. I was like, I got a feeling this might be more. I, I, I just knew it. Something spoke to me. And I was like, okay, whatever. So they scheduled me. So when they scheduled me, I'm like, okay. The lady was like, if you want to go earlier for the appointment, you can go to the hospital. I'm like, no, I'm not going to go to the hospital because then I got to wait for the hospital staff. I'm not going to the emergency room. I said, then I got to wait for the hospital to fax everything over to my doctor. Then I was like, I'll just wait for the appointment. Fine. So then like a few days before the appointment, the staff called me was like, oh, you're scheduled for the mammogram. I said, yes, I am. She tells me, oh, well, they didn't have everything. So you're supposed to have the mammogram, the diagnostic, the ultrasound. I was like, okay. She's like, so can you come next week? I said, yeah, that's fine. So my appointment got pushed back by three to four days. So I was like, all righty, let's do it. So I get there. They do the mammogram. 
And I'm so short. I'm like five two, five three, and I felt so bad for the lady that was doing the mammogram, the technician. She was like, "Okay, it's gonna hurt a little bit." And she, I was like, "I'm not that tall, you know. My little boobs, they're not that big." I'm like, "I can't just, you know, sit it on the table." Like, <laughs> that right. that top you and they have to flatten your breasts, which is also very uncomfortable. It is. So I'm sitting here. So she's trying to move the machine, and she's short too as well. I'm like, "Lord, what type of day is this?" So. <laughs> She's trying to maneuver, and I'm trying to stand up on my tippy toes to put my little boobs up there. I was like, I would this would work a lot better if I was top heavy. And so she's like, it's going to pinch a little bit. She's like, I do apologize for you know where the lump is on that side, but I have to get the angle just to see so so the cardiologist can look at everything. I said, no problem. So I worked every angle she had. She was real nice and sweet. She's like, I'm so sorry. So then they had me do the ultrasound. So I'm like, okay. So the lady was like, get back dressed, you know, I'll give you results. I said, okay. So she said it came back abnormal. I said, that's that's it. I already know what it is. I, I was like, okay, fine. Came back abnormal. That's not good. So by then, I think I might have told my mom, because my mom is technically a senior. Even though she's mobile, she works, she drives, whatever the case may be, I didn't want to freak her out, because I am my mother's only child. I did not want to freak her out. So... I did tell her after a while. She's like, oh, she's like, it's probably a cyst. I'm like, okay. So I did the biopsy. So she was like, okay, I did the biopsy. So they did the tissue and all of that. Um, they put the two markers. Come to find out it was two. It's one of my lymph node, and it's one probably like an inch or two because they were saying uh, at two. They used the time. They said like at two o'clock. So afterwards, I told the lady, I'm like, why did you all put the two markers on me? Um, I thought it was only should have been one. She's like, well, it's two cysts. And I was like, really? And she said, one is in your lymph node. I said, well, they can't cut that out. She's like, your lymph node with your lymphatic system. I'm like, duh, I went to, I did medical. I worked at the doctor's office. Yeah, I guess the loud is on my mind right now. So she was like, yeah. So from there, we had to wait for the results. They said it was five days. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, let's go on a waiting game. So... I called. Can I, can I ask, how, how did you feel during that wait? Like, knowing you had to wait to find out the result. How did I feel? Yeah. Honestly, I felt... Um, emotionally, what was going on as you were waiting? Or did you even think about it? I tried not to. I, real life, tried not to stress a lot of the times. Out of all my friends, I'm the one that stressed the less. Um... So I thought about it, and I'm like, I'm going to let it go. I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I just kept pushing it back. You know how, like, you just mm -hmm. put something all the way in the back of your head and throw it to, like, five countries over? I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. So on that weekend, no, on that Friday, I didn't call because I said I used to work in the doctor's office. They, I said, I just call on Monday. I know how it would go. So I called on Monday, and it was like, oh, your results are back. So I'm like, okay, tell me over the phone, you know. And then she's like, but I can't tell you. It has to be a doctor to tell you. I'm like, really? So mm. she's like, the doctor that was that's available to tell you, their next appointment is like a week. You mean I got to wait a week to hear the results? So then she's like, well, the other doctor, um, she's free tomorrow. So they're going to call you tomorrow at 5 p.m. I said, okay, no problem. So when I get the phone call the next day, which was tomorrow, it was actually my regular doctor. I guess she was available. And so she was like, uh, Danny, you're free. You're available. I'm like, yeah, I'm outside, you know, right now. I said, but I can step to the side. So she was like, okay, so your results are back. She was like, so it is 
confirmed that you have infiltrating ductal carcinoma. And I was like, <sighs> so I just let out a deep sigh. I think tears was running down my eyes, but I didn't do that big, ugly cry. I was just like, okay. And she said, grade three. And I was like, you mean stage? And she said, no, great. I said, okay. So she was like, then from there, you have to uh, call the office. She was like, you're going to have to... She's like, we're going to give you the referral, all your paperwork. You're going to have to speak with the oncologist, the specialist. And I said, so you stated grade three. Those are not the same stage and grade. She said no, but she did not know how to explain it because she's not a specialist. So she's like, I'm so sorry. She's like, I don't necessarily know how to state that to you because I am not a specialist. I don't want to say something and I'm wrong. So I said, okay, fine. So I got the referral, called found a good on oncologist and I had to Google what grade and stage meant. I found out there was a difference between grade and stage. Like the stage tell you, I think like the size and the growth um, and the grade shows you like how cancerous that cells look. So I'm like, okay, so that's this battle uh, for me learning to me finding, um, the oncologist was maybe about two months going from oh, wow yeah so that's a long stretch of time trying to figure out if you're sick or not I'm yeah so it might have been maybe because i think by the time i scheduled the appointment was at the end of that month so maybe a month and a half maybe not two months almost i think about a month and a half to be exact so when i found the oncologist um they told me they told my mom you know, what was going on. You know, my mom is old school. She was in there with notepad and paper with her glasses on, taking notes. Uh, so he was explaining everything as far as like your HER2, your ER, your estrogen, uh, your progesterone, all of that. Um, he was saying like one part of it, uh, like it was three categories. Like one category, you will need chemo. Another category, uh, you will need chemo. Another category, you may or may not need chemo. So he was like, we were waiting for the pathology. I did the lab work the next day. Um, I'm sorry, the same day. Then I had an appointment with the surgeon. She saw me, did an exam, uh, told me what everything would be. She was real, real nice. I love my surgeon. Um, she's really nice. She explained everything. Like, she didn't rush me. She didn't, you know, try to get me out. You know, she didn't make me feel like I was just, you know, another patient. Any question I asked, she sat there and explained it. Um, so she was like, well, yeah, she was like, it seems like we'll end up doing chemo. And I was like, chemo? Because I've been telling people this for a while. When you all look at my podcast page, that long blonde hair, that's actually my hair. And I just cut it a little less than a year ago just to cut the blonde out. So now my hair is at my shoulders and my god sister is at the appointment. My god sister is a nurse. And she was like, she looked at me and just started rubbing my back. She was like, you'll be okay. She was like, you'll be okay. Just breathe. I'm like, okay. And so she was like, well, we're saying chemo just because the cell that shows cancerous that's in your lymph node, we want to make sure that it don't that it does not spread it has not spread at all so that's what we want to do now since i am vegan i do believe in like the holistic lifestyle but when you got family and so forth you know i was like maybe i should just do chemo even though you know i do believe in a holistic way as well but i was like okay and she said another reason we want to do chemo is because the other cysts 
the mask, shall I say, that's right there, we want to try to shrink it. She said, so we're thinking about six chemo sessions. And I said, six chemo sessions, how often do I do that? She said, about once every two weeks. Oh. So I said, okay, okay. So I looked at my god sister, you know, she, you know, she telling me, you know, she doesn't like what she hears. She'll shake her head at me because she's an LPN. So I'm like, I looked at her. She was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's about right. That's about right, Danny. I said, okay, uh, okay. And so she was saying that some people uh, with genetic testing, you know, you try to see like as far as your family member has it, like, you know, even if you have kids, did you want them tested, blah, blah, blah. So she said some people do the mastectomy. And I said, really? And she's like, I don't think you would need to do that because where yours is. She said some women, she explained it all. She said some women, they do the mastectomy because where it is and they just want it all gone. Some people do not have a choice. She said some people do a mastectomy even on the other breast that does not have cancer or something she was explaining. Just because some women just want to get it over with and they just you know, want to live their life. So she said, it's a few different choices. She said, but for you, yours will be the lumpectomy, the removal of the lump. I said, okay, okay. So she's like, I'll let you think about it. Then you could call when you want to set up chemo. I said, no, no, we can set up chemo today. You know, put that in the system. We'll start as soon as possible. Let's, let's keep it moving. Let's, let's just get it out the way. Come on. So she's like, all righty. So they scheduled me for the, uh, appointment. Uh, well, they scheduled me to start doing chemo, but not yet, of course. So then before that, they had to do the heart scan. So normally they say with heart scans, you take a lot more photos. The heart, the the echocardiogram, he was saying, the technician was saying they had to do like 85 to 90 pictures. Oh, wow. Uh, that's a lot. So right before that, last week, I had the surgery to put the port in. Um, and that was kind of a minor surgery. So even now... I can't really lift my right arm above my head all the way. And I can't mm. lift anything heavy because the port is right underneath my chest. Um, I think I showed you all the picture. Yeah, yeah. You saw the scar on my neck. That's, uh, I think, where the catheter is, if I'm not mistaken. And then uh, right underneath my chest, um, they have the scar right there, the stitch, because the port is right there. Mm -hmm. So the next day after I do the port surgery... I'm, I'm sorry. I have never... Her, like you never hear people tell you this side yeah my aunt has has explained this to me because she also uh fought and beat breast cancer it's a lot of different steps it oh is. my gosh i'm sorry please continue i'm sorry it's just that's okay it's, it's i love life. this information because you don't hear this side at all and some people go through, they do chemo, the medication, and the holistic stuff. And you kind of got to have help because sometimes, depending upon how the chemo affects you, you can be kind of out for the count for a little bit of time. Yeah. And so I was reading on all of that. So we did the port surgery. My surgeon, um, who I said it was the nice lady, she came in the day of the surgery. Um, they, of course, just like if you go to the doctor's office, sometimes you got to get blood work done or something done, uh, whatever the procedure is. Sometimes they'll say you can't eat nothing uh, 12 hours prior. So the original nurse told me when even I wake up in the morning, she was like, no water. I said, no water. I said, so I'm just going to be thirsty, like brush my teeth and <laughs> no water. Like, really? And so the next nurse called me and she's like, okay, we'll see you tomorrow for the port surgery. I was like, okay. And I was like, the original nurse said I can't have any ward. I'm like, even when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to have like dry mouth. And so she's like, you can have a little whistle. So I mean, you know, a little swig. So I'm like, I'm going to drink me a little whistle, swig of water. You ain't going to have me dry mouth. Uh, <laughs> so 
I drank just a little bit, not a lot of bit. You know, I didn't want them to say my stomach looked bloated or anything. You know, I was, you know, they found out I was a liar. So I was like, okay. So even the morning of the port surgery, the nurse was like, you didn't have anything for 12 hours. I'm like, no, I'm like, I did have water this morning. She's like, what time? I told her like right before 8 a.m. I said the other nurse, I can have a little sweat. So she's like, okay, that's fine. So they put the IV on me and I'm sitting there. Then the nurse, um, my surgeon came in, explained everything. You know, the port is going to go right here. I said, you know, I am tatted. I'm not going to lie to you. I am tatted. Danny loves tats. I was like, I just asked when you do have to put this port in, can we put it underneath my tattoo or right on the side or above? I said, I just, if you don't mind, please. And so she's like, that's fine. She's like, I'm put it right underneath there. I was like, okay, cool. And so she left out and I'm like, golly, I got to pee. Like what's going on? And my god sister, she was there as well. The LPN, she was there. And I was like, I feel like I got to pee. And she's like, I told you that IV is going to come through you and it's going to make you want to use the bathroom. So I'm sitting there and the, by this time, the anesthesiologist, the anesthesiologist came in and their assistant. And they're like, okay, we're going to get you in a second. You're all set. You got your IV. You got your, your stuff going. We're going to come in here and get you in just a few minutes. I said, okay, cool. And I'm, I have to pee. Like a little kid that's trying to cross their legs, I had to pee. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to be all right. I'm like, wait a minute. They're going to put me to sleep. So I'm going to piss on myself and then I'm going to wake up. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm real honest. I'm like, I'm going to piss on myself. Even though I don't got no underpants on because they make you get butt booty, even though they putting this on your chest, they still make you get butt booty naked. Um, and the gown on. So I'm like, darn it, I'm a they gonna reel me back in this room and I'm gonna have a yellow stain. My mama gonna laugh at me, Thompson. You done pissed on yourself. And I'm like, I gotta use the bathroom. So my sister told the nurse, and so the IV, she held the IV for me. She's like, I told you, you gotta pee. I'm like, can you put it in the hang it in the bathroom so I pee and I said I had to pee and the lady's like yeah it was best you pee before you went in surgery so I sat down for less than 10 minutes they pulled me in I just remember them saying okay Danny roll over to the next bed okay we're gonna start I don't remember nothing else except for I woke up I saw the nurse sitting next to me and I was like can I have water water I'm thirsty so wow okay we did, we did that and then the next day was the day I had to do the uh, the echocardiogram and the the tech he was really nice he was telling me about his kids and you know they have autism and so forth he was like I know you sore you just had the port put in he was like I'm gonna let you turn to your side it wasn't uncomfortable but just sitting on my left side because that's where the mass is the lump is and then my right side is messed up because I just had the port put in the day before so you want to talk about uncomfortable but he was so nice he was talking and so forth so I was like, how many pictures? He was like about 80 to 90, maybe 95. So I had to sit there while he scanned me, just kept taking pictures. You hear, Toom, you know, zoom, Toom, every time you take a picture. He was like, we're about 40 pictures. He's like, we still need some more. I'm like, okay. He's like, are you good? You, you need a break? I'm like, no, keep going. So he just boom, boom, taking more pictures. You know, I was like, okay. So we did that. So tomorrow is actually my first day of chemo. Okay. So I still got to get more labs done. They told me I still got to get more labs done. Everything is all right. They're going to take me to the infusion center. Prayerfully, my lab should be okay. I haven't had any problems with my lab work. Um, so first day of chemo tomorrow, I am going to do a live video, but it probably won't be on social media. I probably do a live like video journey because everybody has been asking me. And I have been very transparent because a lot of people... Uh, 
don't know the ups and downs and every little twist and corner. Um, so I am think I'm going to do a small little video diary tomorrow. Uh, just for my own personal records as well. I'll probably share maybe one day over the weekend or Monday uh, just a little bit because everybody has been asking how am I doing. Uh, so, sorry if I went a little long. I was just telling all the details. But No, we appreciate yeah. it. Thank we you. really appreciate it, actually. Um, and first of all, you are super duper brave. Thank you for being transparent about your story. I too am a proponent about transparency. And I know these kinds of conversations can sometimes uh, make people feel uncomfortable, but this is really, really important information. We are getting yeah. to our middle thirties um, and also considering, you know, where we're in the, where we are in the world. Um, like we talked about earlier about mental health and inner peace, everybody's stress levels are different and anybody that knows anything about any form of cancer, uh, yeah. whether it's pancreatic, uh, stomach cancer, bone cancer, leukemia, uh, breast cancer, brain cancer, etc. A lot of it is exacerbated by stress. So I really thank you for number one, talking about mental health and how important it is to keep up with it and be thoughtful and be present and what your mental health is where it is and stabilizing yourself and then sharing your breast cancer journey. Really, really appreciate it, Danny. Like, and we know that you are going to be great. Um, I know the chemo may make you tired, uh, but we are rooting for you. Uh, we are Thank all going to have you lifted up in prayer. And Thank whatever you. else you need us to do, all the good energy to you. And we really, like I said, I'm really, really grateful that you came on to, to tell your story and to share these details. Also, so other women, um, and there are also men who men. breast cancer as well. Yeah, men too. Um, yeah. And, and people who just like, support people with, going through this to understand yeah. what yeah. exactly is going on yeah absolutely um and so you know shout out to you and your journey like i said i know you're you're gonna you're gonna beat the hell out of this thing so really, really i'm trying you. you know everybody like you gotta fight you gotta fight i don't even think i'm fighting it's just me when it comes down to it you know you know my mom always did what she had to do everybody around me did what they had to do i don't even see it fighting it's just I'm going to do me. That's how I see it sometimes. I'm going to do me. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. I'm going to go tomorrow. Hopefully, I don't break down. I might. I ain't really did that ugly. Well, I haven't really well, done okay that ugly cry. It's yeah. okay if you do. Feel your feelings. Tomorrow might be. I hope not. Yeah. Tomorrow. I don't want to make my mama cry. So, hopefully, I can keep it together. I understand. I understand. But don't feel like you got to hold it in because that's just another way to 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 create stress in your body. So do what I you got to do. Feel your feelings, et cetera. But again, thank you so much for sharing that part of your journey. Of course. Uh, I really, really appreciate that. Um, Auntie Nick, uh, now that we, we done learned good. Uh, Girl, let me tell to... you, I just learned so much. Like even things that I wouldn't have even expected to learn. Like, for example, um, mammogram wise, I'm someone with extremely large breasts. Mm -hmm. I've never considered about how either like the regular breast exam or the mammogram, like putting your breasts on it. Of course, mine could just flop up there, pow. I've never <laughs> thought about the difficulty. Mine could not. Smaller that breasts. made me seem like it too. Mine could, mine could not just sit up there. And it was yeah. funny because she was like, just put it right there. I'm like, I don't have nothing to put right here. Like, what do you want me to do? I've never considered that that could be an issue because like Mine, like, you know, when I sit down, they sit down. I'm done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, you know, do your boobs hang low? Do they wobble? So, yeah, I can tie them in a knot. I can tie them in a boat. Um, so that that makes me more considerate of an experience that a woman may have dealing with that and the trouble she may have. Um, the way I think 
first of all, let me say this. A lot, most of us have been touched by breast cancer in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Whether it's because you experienced it yourself, a friend or family member, coworker, somebody close to you has experienced this in some way, shape, or form. But I think that for many of us, um, to not know the ins and outs of the entire experience and journey, this would be very informative and almost shocking. Like I was sitting here like, wow, like all of these things happened from being in the shower and feeling something to I start chemo tomorrow and half of those things I've never heard of. Yeah. Didn't know. I didn't know the medical terms. I didn't realize that there were so many steps in my mind. You feel something, you get checked, and then we're going to go ahead and start chemo. I didn't know you had had these operations and all these things and all, like, before we pick lines in and all that stuff to drain. I had no idea. And I I feel like I had no idea and there are probably plenty of other people who had no idea either in understanding the emotional journey and the physical journey that you were taking just to get to that point and you still ain't even done. Nope. You know, and so I, I appreciate this education and 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 you telling me these things because I really didn't know. Something else that you pointed out early when you're talking about mental health um, that was very dynamic to me is about, you said, you know, like the journey, you, y'all both talked about the journey to mental health and mental peace, um, it, the, the journey to inner peace. And it just really struck a chord with me because to have to journey and work to get to inner peace as an adult is a real thing for, for I think, most people. And I just want to encourage everybody out there listening to, if you should so choose and be blessed to procreate and bring children into this world, please work, do the work as a parent to validate your children and to teach them to train them up, to prepare them so that they have inner peace and security from a very young age. Because I promise you, maintaining it is a whole lot better and easier than having a journey for it again. Absolutely. Or for I the first time. Yeah, I agree. So that really struck a chord with me. Um, and, and, and it is, it is my hope that if I should choose to do that, that I do prepare my children to have it and maintain it as opposed to having to journey to find it as an adult. But you know, if that, if that's where we are, then that's where we are. And I hope that everybody that needs that journey is able to take it, go on it and that they're successful in finding it. So I, again, thank you. Like Kirby said, Auntie Kirby, thank you, Auntie Danny for sharing and please, if you don't mind, keep us posted and, um, you know, educated <laughs> on this process. This was amazing for me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah definitely welcome. follow your journey, um, um, whatever you decide to share on Danny Vitz 3 um, on Instagram and all your other platforms. So, again, much appreciated, much appreciated. Auntie Nick, I'm going to pass it back to you uh, to get the rest of the menu started. All right. Let's talk, let's talk about a few things, ladies. Let's get some commentary going. How about that? All right. Sounds good to me. All right, first up, y'all know I like to start with everything Atlanta and Georgia related. So, Auntie Kirby, um, you're big on this, so I'm gonna throw it to you. We have a resurrection (laughs) of sorts in Atlanta, um, education wise. Break it down for everybody, tell them what we're 
celebrating here in Atlanta right now. Absolutely. So about 20 years ago, Morris Brown College, also known as NBC, um, of the AU Center, actually uh, lost their accreditation. Um, and unfortunately, throughout that process, they were still recruiting students and knowing that they were going to lose their accreditation. So there was a lot of unfortunate things that were going on, financial mishandlings, uh, lack of financial prudence. Uh, a lot of students uh, ended up having to start over at other universities. But I am happy to report that Morris Brown has gotten their accreditation back. And I also hope and pray they didn't talk about this in the article, uh, but I hope and pray that they also have uh, more honest, tactful uh, staff. Uh, who are going to be financially prudent and do right by the students and then hopefully be able to build Morris Brown back into uh, a really amazing uh, place of higher learning. Uh, now, don't get me wrong, and I got to be honest, now back in the day, uh, Morris Brown was considered the school in the AU Center that the people uh, did not always want to go to or that people that got rejected from other AU Center schools went to. But it still was a great school. Um, it still had a lot of spirit and also had a very deep influence on marching band culture across the country. Um, so a lot of people, a lot of schools, other HBCUs and even uh, PWIs have modeled the way that they do uh, their marching band style, the way they play music, the, the crazy charismatic uh, routines after Morris Brown College. So while unfortunately there were some adults during that time period who made it hard uh, for the kids. We hope and pray that with this accreditation coming back 20 years later that they can rebuild the institution. And it may not be exactly the same, but hopefully it'll be better. Um, so really, really excited about that. That's big Atlanta news. And anybody that was born and raised in Atlanta or just attended the AU Center period understands how important this is and how impactful this is to Atlanta's history. So that is a, that is a pretty, pretty big deal. Uh, Auntie Nick, uh, as a person who grew up in and around Atlanta. How does that make you feel to see that institution potentially come back to its uh, to its greatness? I think it's cool because number one, shout out to the HBCU world. Um, even though I went to a PWI, I always loved H uh, HBCUs in the whole culture. Growing up in Atlanta, the AUC is a big part of, you know, uh, the scholastic, you know, the college life in Atlanta. Everybody likes to hang out at the AUC um, and go to their events. Like you said, Morris Brown, known for their marching band to this day you see their influence on any major marching band black or white period um also their musicality was on point which was another thing because some people do a lot of pizzazz but their musicality is not there they had the musicality the pizzazz the showmanship they had it all so as a musician even though i wasn't in the band i was in the orchestra i played string instruments um I am excited to see what their music program is going to look like. Um, not even just on the field, but off. I'm really excited to see that. So um, I hope that this goes well. I hope so, too. Like I said, I hope they, <laughs> I hope they got the uh, the registrar and the financial aid office in check this time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hope it goes well this time. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. I know some people who are already looking forward to enrolling Someone that I follow, uh, Miss Preston Curl, on Instagram, actually was in a news story, and she's uh, enrolling and looking forward to going back to school there. So. Okay, okay, awesome, Danny. Um, you know, I know you may not necessarily be from Atlanta, but has Chicago ever had any type of situations where a school shut down or lost accreditation, and that kind of affected the community around you all? <laughs> oh yes, you can easily Google that. Oh <laughs> yes. Uh oh. Um, 
But I have to ask a quick question. I heard uh, you and Auntie uh, Nick say, is it ACU? Is that A for Apple, C for CAD, U for Umbrella? What is ACU exactly? Am I saying that right? Oh, it's the AUC. AUC. That's, a, that's the Atlanta University Center, which is a combination of four schools. So Morris Brown College, Spelman College, Morehouse College, and Clark Atlanta University. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, I knew all the schools were in that area. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But as far as Morris Brown, I think that's good. They're getting their accreditation back and so forth. That was known as a popular HBCU college. And I like you mentioned as far you all mentioned as far as like the margin ban and so forth. So I do remember that. Um, but as far as in Chicago, yeah, we have had schools um, that were in the community that lost some accreditation um, and people did not know and found out. Um, and then what it was was some of the schools that weren't as good, they closed them down and then kids had to go to other schools. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've, we definitely had some of that. And then if you also Google like the Chicago Teachers Union right before the world shut down, I think they had a big strike and. Yeah, this, the kids were out of school, and then I think what was that the beginning of this year? If I want, if I'm not mistaken, with you know everything that's been going on with my journey, I believe it was the beginning of this year. Uh, the mayor of Chicago, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, uh, the kids weren't even in school, I think, for like a month or like oh, three wow. weeks. What happened was, I guess, with the teachers' union, if I'm explaining that correctly, they had to come to an agreement, so she said. I guess the kids were supposed to be doing e-learning from home. But then I guess Mayor Lori Lightfoot, I guess, was like, well, everybody be shut out. The teachers can't log into their account. The kids can't do nothing. Everybody wasn't doing nothing for like three weeks. So definitely Chicago has seen, definitely has seen some things as far as education and so forth. Um, but now I know a few years ago, from what I've known uh, for like family members and friends, their kids, uh, went to like charter schools so like inside of like some of like the bigger schools they had like two or three schools inside of one school that had mm -hmm. like different programs or catered to like different uh, trades and so forth for high school so some of the Chicago schools have been getting better and been putting effort into it so I appreciate that so it's always good when you see accreditation be given back to that particular school, especially if it was known for fabulousness. You know what I mean? So that's definitely something good to hear. Yes. Absolutely. I love it from Chicago to Atlanta. Blessings <laughs> on all the education programs that are working hard. Okay. Um, moving on along. Also in Atlanta. Lord. We like our bike lanes. <laughs> we like our bars. Not quite sure if the two should mix. I'm done with you. What do people know about this one as well? What happened when we put those two things together in Atlanta? It didn't really work out. What, what was going on with that? So uh, I almost was an eyewitness to this. Um, if I'm not mistaken, we saw this before it actually was about to happen. I was in Midtown with a friend having lunch at Rumi's um, on a Saturday after strawberry picking. Um, I actually rented a Jeep because I wanted to see what it was like to have my hair out, quote unquote. So I took the top off. I was having a little fun. Walk outside to get the car. Wait, pause, pause. Because you just listed so many things you did it one day. That's yes, so you did. <laughs> you rented a Jeep, met a friend for lunch at Rumi's in the city, went strawberry picking. I did. Then bring me no strawberries. <laughs> now, listen, I can go back down there and pick some more and ship them to you. I don't have no problem with that. Awesome. 
<laughs> but yeah, I definitely. I, I mean, listen, if you if you plan your if you plan your schedule accordingly, you can definitely have one of those kind of days. Because I was definitely out. Like the car got dropped off eight o'clock that morning. I went ahead and picked up my friend. We drove an hour to do the uh, strawberry picking, and then came back to Atlanta. Just had a a quote unquote a day with the girls. But I wouldn't have had a day with the girls at, at, on this particular attraction. There's a pedal pub in Atlanta. And the driver of said pedal pub, and I'm pretty sure me and my friends saw this and we were commenting on it. Uh, we was like, oh my gosh, a pedal pub is not a good idea in Atlanta. The way that our lanes are set up and the way this traffic is set up, hope that they're going to be all right. Well, lo and behold, the following day, the driver of that pedal pub was charged with a DUI and the police released surveillance video of the crash that happened shortly after we left the area. Now, luckily, prayerfully, everybody was okay, but y'all, it looked like it looked like the mountain came tumbling down. Like apparently it was making, they were making a hard left. And like, I understand that, you know, y'all was trying to have fun, but why is the driver of the pedal pub drunk? You can't get drunk with everybody that's pedaling. That's not okay. Um, it notes here that the driver of the pedal pub uh, in Midtown Atlanta Saturday night, uh, they crashed with more than a dozen people on board, 15 total people. Everybody was injured. Some were critical, but again, everybody survived. He was identified by Atlanta police on Monday as 28 year old James Anthony Johnson. And they also, like I said, released surveillance video Monday showing the crash. Um, it was it was pretty it was pretty wild. Um, the pedal pub itself is an electric vehicle uh, with up to 15 passengers available uh, to be placed on. But normally, of course, you're consuming alcohol. I think they have snacks on them sometimes. Um, and the operator sits at the front and they control the vehicle. And um, it uh, it like I said, it was really really bad. It flipped completely over. Uh, people sustained multiple injuries, um, and I imagine that that boy is probably going to go to jail and also probably get sued by every single person that was on that pedal cab. Uh, Danny, do they have pedal cabs in Chicago? No, not really. I wouldn't want Chicago to have that. Uh, we Chicago, we don't. That's that's an easy target. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not really. But what they started doing, at least, oh, has it been ten years? Time has been flying. It was something where they started doing like the little bikes. You know, you can rent the little bikes and all of that and so it was mostly like downtown you know downtown that's what they normally Same do here. you know you know things tourists want to do and these are little attractions they always put it downtown Chicago then they start putting it like a little further south you know like Barack Obama he's from the south side that neighborhood is called Hyde Park they start putting some in Hyde Park now you gotta remember if you ever seen like any Chicago movie that was filmed or you, you, you know, see a TV show that was filmed in Chicago, Lakeshore Drive and some of the main streets, you riding, you riding that bike <laughs> on the main street. We don't give a darn you on that. <laughs> you might get ran over. Right. And so, <laughs> you know, everybody in the hood, like, what are they doing? Then you start having the people that was on drugs or the people that just thieves, they were still in the bikes after a while and everybody was like see that's why you, we can't have nothing but we don't necessarily have that um i don't think we need that because purpose you know from atlanta i don't think we need that i mean it sounds good something touristy to do but no nah, no nah, we don't we don't need that <laughs> and see nick you jumping on the pedal pub uh next summer Uh oh, Auntie Nick, you there with us? We can't hear you, sweetie. Oh, sorry. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes, ma'am. Okay, yeah, that was an affirmed hell no. <laughs> I won't be getting on the pedal pub. Not, not no time soon. Not no time in the future. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Okay. Um, that that's that that is a lawsuit waiting to happen. If I can't drink and drive, 
I definitely can't drink in pedal. Absolutely not. That's <laughs> just is not something I'm gonna be able to do. Um, and and I don't trust all these other people that I got to rely on to steer and and power this apparatus. And in Atlanta traffic, are you crazy? Like we've literally had people jumping on the back of money trucks in Atlanta, like y'all, I j- and and riding scooters down t- on, on two eighty five in the middle of traffic, like and and then the kids on scooters, uh, busting people down, uh, stealing stuff, armed robberies. Like, it's, can it's we just can we just? It almost even it almost made me want to go back to the beginning of the pandemic when nobody was on the road. Like everybody just need to go sit down somewhere, bro. <laughs> between the pedal pups, the scooters kids, the water boys, oh, and everything else we're dealing with in Atlanta traffic. I, I can't. Like, I just cannot. And this, I'm glad that nobody lost their life in this accident, but I mean, I, I don't want to see this pedal pull back on the street no more. I mean, it, it's one accident, I get it, but I just think that this is just not worth it. It's not. Um, it ain't worth and, it. Um, quit blocking traffic. That part. So Ooh, moving forward, um, something else I can do without um, Joe Button. Oh Lord, uh, has been in the news again. You know, this is probably the as he's like the thousandth time they've tried to cancel him, um, and as he has tweeted, they can't. Um, <laughs> but he got back in the uh, headlines due to some comments that he was making in re- on the podcast in reference to Megan Thee Stallion, Tory Lanez, um, situation. And he involved Evelyn Lozada. Tahiri got pulled in. It just became a whole big mess. But he made some very specific comments that pissed some people out. Kirby, help me out. What was going on with Joe Budden? He literally called Megan Thee Stallion's interview with Gail an example of, quote, victim bullying. Uh, <laughs> this particular article um, noted that the Joe Budden podcast, uh, on a recent episode of the Joe Budden podcast, the Wash rapper took yet another opportunity to make good of good use of his right of free speech, and that was and he did so um, in a manner that devalued and victim shamed uh, black women. Uh, as you mentioned, came came at Lazada and also made the comment specifically about Megan Thee Stallion. Um, you know, Joe is not. Uh, Joe is a very good radio man, but he's not always a great wordsmith. And I'm not going to always assume that he has negative intent, but I don't think that he understands how powerful his words are and how far reaching they are. And if he does, it's like you kind of you're playing with fire. Um, He, like I said, like you were saying, spoke about um, the Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco and Evan Lozada situation, talking about the former basketball wife star uh, who was married in July. I think it was 2012. Um, and divorced a few months later, she had actually been very vocal about the abuse she suffered in the years following their marriage. And in that particular episode uh, that aired on April 28th, Button stated that Megan's remarks during her interview could be seen as, quote, victim bullying. Uh, essentially, what he's applying is that regardless of whether or not the uh, the abuse can be proven, quote, do you have to take every moment to talk about it? And I, you know, yes, Joe, we do have to talk about it. Um, and let's not talk about your situations with, if I'm not mistaken, like you said, Tahiri and a couple other women in your life. Sin probably left you because you can't keep your hands to yourself either, allegedly. Um, I think it's interesting sometimes, especially when a person like a Joe Button and a man like a Joe Button, because men oftentimes have a lot to say about how women express themselves or a particular population of men. I'm not going to say all of them, but I think it's very interesting that every time something abuse related or negative music related 
or anything that is not necessarily um, shining a great light on the black community, Joe takes an opportunity to jump into the conversation, whether it's the Tory Lanez thing, um, whether it's his own personal situations or even doing it's sitting down doing interviews with known abusers, you know, and, and like I said, Joe is talented, but Joe, we need you. And especially as a father, my God, you have multiple children to be more thoughtful about how you communicate. I don't care if Megan got shot 20 years ago. If she wants to speak about her experience, she can speak about her experience. She can write a book about it, a journal. She can write a song about it, an album about, album about it. She can even name one of her dogs after it. It happened to her. It's her story. It's her agency. It's her body. It's her being. And it's her reputation. So I just need Joe Budden and men like him to be more thoughtful, be more considerate. Um, and if you can't be thoughtful and considerate, be quiet. Um, ladies, how do y'all feel about it? I mean, I'm gonna just say this: like Joe Budden, he made a whole lot of statements in this in this little thing, and it, and it really had me thinking. Uh, okay, I'll say this: Joe in this said that it's not fair. He talked about how when the Chad Ochocinco thing, and he was saying how every time someone looked up his name or Googled him, that's what came up. No matter what, that's what would come up when they Googled Chad Ochocinco. He could never get away from that. Number one, that's we need to talk about consequences, Joe. That that's what consequences are. When you beat somebody ass, when you do stupid shit, it's gonna come up. That's not bullying. That's not their fault. That that's that's his fault that he did that. Um, saying it's not fair that Tory can't speak. So he's talking. They they made comments about it's not fair that Tory is not allowed to speak. Again, consequences. But I will say this: Tory been speaking too much. True. Okay, so y'all stop saying it. Tory done violated the restraining order multiple times. He violated when he jumped on the stage with the baby to try to get under Megan's skin, knowing she was performing. Oh, wow. Y'all tried to rush the stage during her set, so you think we forgot about that and we didn't, and the security stopped y'all. That's what Tory been doing. He violated the order again when he posted on social media about fucking two BFs BFF and said that Meg was lying, and that's why he was handcuffed in court and held until he paid an increased bail, because you keep talking. Most recently, Tori also got caught commenting under a post by, I think it was DJ Academics. Oh, that And it was about his DNA not being found on the weapon, which was not 100% accurate. But you're still talking. You ain't learned yet. So Meg finally speaking out as a victim, is not bullying. Like we always talk about words mean things, right? So Joe, bullying, define. To treat someone in a cruel, insulting, threatening, or aggressive fashion. To call someone to do something by means of force or coercion. So, for context, shooting at somebody's feet while they're in the street saying dance, bitch. That's My bullying. God. Telling your story after someone shot at your feet yelling dance bitch that's called being resolute and that's healing so i need you to understand the difference i think this was very tone deaf i think joe budden knows exactly how much weight his words hold and how far they reach and i think that gaslighting was the main idea here how can you twist and manipulate a story to make the aggressor the victim tory lanes is not a victim Tory Lanez took a gun and shot it allegedly at a woman's feet and said, dance, bitch, and shot her and, and had bullet fragments go in her feet. And I think some of the fragments are still there. You know, if y'all want to be yeah. the president of the AMA, 
uh, abusive men's association. Just say that. They are still fragments. Um, during the interview with Gail, they actually had the documentation, the medical documentation, to show what actually happened with her feet and that the fragments were still in there. Wow. Um, and they, they'll, they'll remain there. So, yeah, I wasn't a fan of this um, Joe Budden podcast. I could continue to break down all of the, the uh, uh, attempted manipulations and gaslighting, but we ain't got enough time. Miss um, Danny, what you think? Well, I will say I have listened to some of his podcasts, like the, you know, like the, you know, the trailers and some of the clips and all of that. With this particular case, uh, with the two entertainers, I don't know. Because, like, when it first happened, I, you know, I know something happened to her. God forbid, I hope, you know, she's doing okay, especially just mentally. Um, But with him as well, like, they both at first was always online saying stuff, you know, subliminals and everything else. I'm like, okay, so who do I follow? Who do I listen to? And so a little while... I noticed all the females were with her. And I was like, yeah. Then when I started hearing some more of what he had to say and what she had to say, I don't know. I guess that kind of goes with, you know, like with all the other cases. I'm so confused. I know it happened to her, but I really want to know, did he do it? So I really want to see the end result because it was like some blogs and like some back pages, I guess, that people that knew some more information because they were there you know, allegedly. And I'm like, so did he really do it? Did her friend do it? Because she didn't talk to her friend anymore. So I'm like, I'm so confused. I guess this for me is more so of, you know, guilty until proven innocent. Because I thought she was the victim. I know she is the victim. But it's so many back and forth. Like he was, he stopped talking for a while. And then she was talking on social media. Then, just like Auntie Nick stated, at one point, I forgot about that. He was on that uh, that concert. He did rush the stage. A lot of people forgot about that. He rushed the stage. Um, and he wasn't supposed to be that close. So I do remember that as far as the podcast go with Joe Budden, I agree, but I don't agree. Because when you speak on people that's been in domestic violence situation, especially like extreme domestic violence, where you had to go to the uh, hospital, you had to get surgery, you had to get stitches, you had, you know, the blogs in your face, the paparazzi in your face, trying to take pictures of you getting out the hospital to see how bad your scars are. That's a lot. That's emotional traumatizing for anybody, whether you're 18, 25, 30, or 68, that's emotionally traumatizing. So I definitely get that part. But as far as the bullying, somebody on the blogs made a perspective. They stated, even though she was speaking, but all the other people as well that were commenting and I guess uh, saying stuff to him, you know, Tory. So I don't think as far as the domestic violence, especially if he has history of being violent towards someone, I think he should have let that go underneath the rug. If you already were the abuser in a relationship. You shouldn't be talking about anybody else's domestic violence situation, especially if you were the abuser in a situation. So Yeah, Joe Joe um Budden was definitely the poster child for people in glass houses should not throw stones. Yeah. You know, you you've had all these these several incidents of, of alleged abuse and it, this probably wasn't the wheelhouse you wanted to jump in. 
um, because it didn't work out for you. Um, it seems like ain't no Joe's winning right now because we go from Joe Button to his uh second cousin Joe Biden, not the second cousin, <laughs> and Joe Biden out here with his hand out asking the American people, the American people, let me hold something. We ain't got nothing to hold. Uh, didn't you just use some of our money? The other ask, ask that bitch for some money. Oh, let me go ahead and let me let me go ahead and run this real quick. Run it. So Uncle Joe already asked us for 13.4 billion of our federal tax he dollars to run to this Ukraine. You know, I was being kind. He took our fucking money. He took the money. Now he wants 33 billion more. Mm. I'm not even finna read the facts of the situation. I'm finna read Joe Biden. Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe. Now, we done already talked about this a couple of times already. You keep digging in my motherfucking pockets. Now, don't get me wrong. I recognize that I fall into a particular uh, percentile of American earners. That don't change the fact that y'all taking too much of my goddamn money. Joe, don't touch my money no more. And like I've been telling you, until you do right by all of us, by canceling all these student loans, I'm going to keep dragging you from all the way up and down Peachtree Street, Peachtree Road, Peachtree Industrial, Peachtree Connector, all the above, Marietta Boulevard, all of the above, until you run us the real money. If you can print $13.4 billion and then turn around and ask to print $33 more billion, because again, where are you getting the money from, Joe? We don't utilize gold as a standard for our money anymore, so y'all just up there at the U.S. Mint just printing off money like you at the, um, at the library printing for free. <laughs> Stop playing with my stop playing with my money, Joe. Uh, no disrespect to Ukraine. I understand y'all under a lot of pressure, a lot of heat, Putin over there dogging y'all out. And I am so sorry. And I'm a continuous prayer for you. But that's not the that is not the philanthropic endeavor that I want my money to go to right now. And I understand that plenty of other Americans are very much for the war in Ukraine, but I'm gonna need us to not be funding a war that really don't ultimately benefit us as as US citizens. So I'm over it, Grandpa Joe. You gotta chill out with this. I don't know what's going on with you. You need to go get you checked. You need to go to the doctor. You need to make an appointment because your mind has got to be going bad asking for all this doggone money. Where was the money we already gave you? What did they even use that for? And why did they need almost triple that amount now? Stop playing with my money, Joe. Stop playing with my money. Period. Uh, too damn, are you going to let them hold something? You know what? You, you too. I'm going to speak on it. Y'all ask. I'm going to talk. Okay, let's say this. Okay, so the mental state that I am in now I, I'm holding my best down as I can. I people have heard my podcast episodes with my health care. I'm I'm literally living off of like family and friends right now. I said that in one of my episodes. I feel helpless right now because I'm literally living off of my family and friends right now. Uh, so shout out to them because between all my doctor's appointments and minor surgery and this and that, like I don't work since I was like 16, 17 even though I'm not working at the moment right now, but it's like, bro, what happened to the student loan? Like, I, I can really use that. I can really use the cancellation of that considering, you know, my my health journey right now. I can really use some cancellation of some student loans. You feel what I'm saying? Like, so I mm. get that. Like Auntie Kirby said, yes, with Ukraine and so forth, I do wish them the best and prayers out to them and so forth. But we still looking for our student loan debt to be canceled because that was your main platform. Oh, I'm going to cancel student debt and I'm going to do this and that and do this and that and that and that. And I'm still waiting. I'm still I'm still waiting. 
and you can't keep people still waiting on stuff and then want the country to have your back because I know I'm not the only person that's going through a cancer scare or you know their family or their friends are sick that canceling that big of a debt of student loans that takes the relief out for someone's back then not only that the gas prices had just went up that was right before I slowed down on working so I was like, okay, gas prices went up. Gas prices have gone up before. Then have you all noticed like food and so forth, like little stuff? I'm like, inflation is crunk right now. Yeah, I'm like, wait a minute. And so some of my family's like, you better hold on to your money and blah, blah, blah. But didn't nobody knew what I was going through yet because I didn't get the full diagnosis. So a lot of people didn't know what I was going through. So I'm like, okay, all righty. So it's a lot. People have real life problems out here. People are trying to make it. And the thing is, the government don't care. The government already got their cheese, bread, butter, yachts, and, you know, five sugar daddies and 10 sugar mamas. And I only got no sugar daddies, no, no sugar mamas. I need all my coins. You get what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. So I definitely feel like with the politicians sometimes, you do not hold yourself accountable for what you said and what you stood for. And I think sometimes politicians need to be accounted for. Like y'all account y'all account us quick, especially throwing black men and so forth in jail. Y'all account us real quick. We're gonna need to sign. Cause why my student loan debt's not uh canceled. You get what I'm trying to say? Period. So that was like your main platform and all of that. And we still like you stated, you got money to, you know, wars and so forth but in the u.s heck because i can say a few things in chicago we need our potholes fixed i'm so tired of ducking those craters earthquakes lakes whatever you want to call them in the middle of the street i'm so tired of that schools need better books schools need more supplies we need to pay the teachers better money come on now the medical need to be better you know what i mean you know gas prices need to go down Cost of living shouldn't be so god doggone high. I mean, you need like three jobs, ten sugar mamas, and five sugar daddies. Like, I'm real life about to be posting for sugar daddies in a second. You need some real life, you know. Let me go and, ahead and start my OnlyFans. Excuse me. Right, you know, something. And they don't understand <laughs> yes, that. Yes. And this and it kills me because some of these politicians did not grow up rich. So why are you dumbfounded to the fact that it's people out here real life struggling to make ends meet? And some of these politicians did not go, I'm sorry, they did not grow up silver spoon fed. They was on Section 8. They was on food stamps. They was working four, five jobs. So why are you making it harder for the American people is all I got to say. Period. Well, at this point, I'm just going to put your two Miss Sealy fingers up and, and stretch right. them out toward, towards uh, old Uncle Joe and let them know till you do right by us. Yep. Everything you think about gonna fail. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you got uh, especially this is on behalf of Georgia, because we we did this for you. If you forgot, let me just remind you. Um, you weren't gonna win unless we put you in office. So you're welcome. Um, but you made us some very specific promises. Um, you said you was gonna help us out and do some things, and and um, in addition, you you told everybody we was gonna take care of these student loans. But these uh, loan payments are still going out every month. So I'm going to need you to help me out because I'm not about messing up my credit. Um, but I need my money. So 
Joe, what's going on? You you asking for this, this 33 billion? I ain't got it. I don't. I really don't. I, I ain't got it. You know, I, I feel for Ukraine, but we, we need some more conversation, some more communicato about this, about what, what we're gonna do and, and what it's gonna look like if after this 33 billion goes out. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We're we gonna have to we're gonna have to keep our eye on this and Uncle Joe. But my, my Miss Susan fingers is pointed towards you, bro. For sure. Um, somebody else going on the apology tour right now. Mr. Terry Crews <laughs> tried to do a little backtracking um, on uh, was it Trevor Noah's show? Was that where he was? It don't even matter. All that backpelling and pussy popping he was doing. I don't know where he was, but hey, talk I, about it. Yeah, so The Daily Show, actually. Yes, you're right. Yeah, that's uh, Trevor yeah. Noah. Um, Terry Crews decided he was going to to his cell phone there uh, while in, promo- in the process of promoting his new book, uh, quote-unquote, Tough, My Journey to True Power, uh, basically in an attempt to get Black book lovers interested in supporting him. Uh, he also made time to apologize for slamming Black Lives Matter uh, in 2020. Um, let me redirect you all's attention to the following. Yes, oh, please. Defeating white supremacy without white people creates black supremacy. Equality is the truth. Like it or not, we are all in this together. Now, Terry, I know you didn't major in Africana studies, and you probably didn't go to an HBCU, and because of the fact that you are allegedly allowing people to touch you out here in Hollywood, you think that um, that things are sweet out here. They are not. Uh, white supremacy with defeating white supremacy without white people creates black supremacy. That is such a bogus statement, and it was bogus when you made it, and it's bogus now. Don't start trying to do an apology to her because you want to make some coins off of somebody. Why to yourself into the offices of the people that are on the same wavelength as you, which is not majority of black folks? Apologize to the women that run Black Lives Matter, although I might have some some uh some smoke for them later on this year because I got to watch some things that's going on with the financials. But honestly, Terry. Just say that you 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 like to shuck and jive and keep it pushing. You ain't got to lie to kick it. You ain't got to lie to Craig. We know you're not really into us like that. Um, amid the actual backlash of his post, uh, he actually even had a follow-up tweet. Quote, if you are a child of God, and I love it when people who know they're wrong bring God into the conversation. You are my brother and sister. I have family of every race, creed, and ideology. We must ensure, quote, Black Lives Matter doesn't morph into Black Lives Better. You the one that said Black Lives Better. Nobody else was saying that, Terry. Nobody else was saying that. And the same thing that we've been telling these, uh, not just white people, but everybody's got a problem with Black Lives Matter, the idea of it, the organization, and just the fact that Black Lives really matter. Black lives falls under all human lives. So if I say Black Lives Matter, it is implied that everybody else's lives matter. Nobody ever said that nobody else's life does not matter. We're just saying stop killing Black people unnecessarily and without bringing justice to it. Pardon me. (coughs) The Daily Show host Trevor Noah recalled how Essentially, uh, Cruz became one of the, quote, most hated individuals almost overnight. And he was called a coon uh, by black people who felt like he betrayed the culture, which to a degree he did. Quote, as an example, and as uh, as an African-American man, a black man here in this country, I did not want to get the perception that we're supposed to gloss this over and forget the death of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd. And I want to apologize to everyone right now, (coughs) pardon me, y'all, who was ever offended because it hurt. He continued. And it says Cruz, who is married to a white woman, which I didn't know she was white. I thought she was just really light skin. I thought she was just biracial. I don't think she's necessarily right. Yeah, yeah I don't think she's white. Right. I don't know if that article is right about that, but said his yeah. remarks were triggered by a quote unquote need for approval, which makes total sense to me because if you, and no disrespect as far as this is concerned, as far as Terry Cruz's career is concerned, but T Money, 
Hey, UPN. Um, anybody who wants to know more about it, go Google T-Money, UPN, Terry Cruz. You'll find out exactly what I'm talking about. He used to be a for-hire wrestler. Terry has definitely, over the course of his career, participated in a lot of, quote-unquote, creative endeavors that are very much, for all these purposes, like corny white boy behavior. So I'm not surprised that people, uh, that she was saying that uh, his remarks were triggered by, quote-unquote, need for approval and in that moment here you should have really thought particularly about your career and about your fans about if i say this on this platform because we know once you put it on the internet it's forever people screenshotting it folks is archiving it like how is this going to spin but also terry probably does know his audience and knows that black people mess with him but white people mess with him harder so he knew he was going to be able to get that one off i don't know how y'all feel about this but i'm gonna just say this i don't hate terry cruz but I, when that situation happened in 2020, I was just like, you like the dude who says before we go into a competition, now listen, don't go in here and show out in front of these white folks. Well, who cares? We're not here to perform for white people. It's a new day. We are not our grandparents. And we can, we can, we can box politically, verbally, physically, whatever is necessary. But I'm not finna, I'm not finna dance around uh, to try to make white people feel comfortable about their cousins, their ancestors, and some of their current family members and how they act. I'm just not going to do it. How y'all feel? Auntie Danny, what's your thought? Woo! Yeah, like, a lot of people have been saying that about him for years. Like, you know, he seems a little thirsty. Like, yeah, everybody always said, like, you know, he was always built and buff. But he definitely seems as if, though, like, he was always looking for the approval of everybody that was on the Caucasian side of the table. So, like, his acting and so forth was cool, but then didn't he have, like, that incident, what was that, like, a year or two ago when he was talking about how he felt victimized some years back because a Caucasian guy had grabbed his stuff, I guess, to try to see if he can, you know, make him feel submissive, you know, make, mm-hmm. make him feel less than because he was a, you know, a big African-American guy that was all buff and swole, and then here you are, grabbing my genitalia area so but even so still I know he was in trouble well recently I guess you know I guess watching porn or something like that but that ain't none of my business that ain't none of my business because everybody grown if you're gonna watch it it is what it is but I did not know he made that statement about the black lives matter yeah it was a big deal yeah black lives do matter and like you stated auntie Kirby we just wanted them to stop killing us. You didn't kill the Caucasian people. And the, and the funny things is the Caucasian people is doing things way worse. And, you know, I'm from Chi-Town. I done seen a lot of stuff go down. Uh, a lot of people have, you know, you got your friends, you got friends and friends, you got cousins, brothers, all type of things of people getting shot by the police and all type of stuff. So that definitely makes you feel some type of way because as a black man and you have I think his I think his wife is biracial if I'm not mistaken real nice looking lady so your kids are black or biracial however you want to call them so to know that and to say something that might have been offensive especially during that time where even a lot of Caucasians and different other races and ethnicities came out and were supporting us at the black lives movement so the Black Lives Matters had a lot of races. I was so happy to see that on the blogs and people posting and so forth. Like, that was a time where every race and nationality came together for the Black Lives Matter movement. Everybody was out, whether you were white, brown, ugly, yellow, big, tall, 
<laughs> yellow, <laughs> brown, everybody came out and was supporting Black Lives Matter. And so then what makes it even worse is once Black Lives Matter took place and it was a phenomenon and everybody was supporting us, then didn't I think the, the government, they did, uh, what was that, the Asian or I think that bill, they passed that and everybody's like, well, wait a minute, what about the Black Lives Matter? We just protested and, and brought out millions of people, all different race and ethnicities, and we still got put on the back burner. So a lot of people do feel offended um listening to you say what he stated, a lot of people would feel offended by that. Why wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's anything left for me to really say about <laughs> it. Um he he kind of apologized. Um but I the thing I didn't like about his apology he apologized and he said I shouldn't have said it at that time. Oh my okay. And the at that time was like so you you still mean what you said you just should have said it at that time that was a little weird for me so it kind of negated the apology for me um you didn't apologize for saying it you apologize for saying it when you said it um and i think like we have explained so we have been blue in the life matter does not take away from anybody else's life matter it's just that black lives were the ones being attacked at the time and we were just we've used the examples that when somebody says you know we need a cure for cancer, F cancer. Somebody doesn't come out and say, all diseases matter. Oh. Like, we know, but we're talking about cancer right now. <laughs> like, right. That, that, that's the topic right now. We're not, that doesn't take away from any other thing that people deal with, but we can talk about one thing right now. And I don't know any other ways that we can continue to explain that to people to help them understand. I'm not helping nobody understand a damn thing. No, I want to understand. I think Terry is an example of wanting to be on both sides of the fence, but maybe sometimes you just got to pick a side and stay on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, he does strike you as that type to say that. See, now I'm the one, Auntie Kirby. I say, don't act up in here. Don't embarrass me when we go in here. Period. I don't care who in here. You know how to act. Yeah, like I said, but we ain't performing for nobody. But it don't matter who in here. But don't come in here embarrassing me. Period. But you do have a lot of those that have that very specific idea of in front of a certain group of people we act a certain way. And and yeah, we're not going to do that. Anyways, lady, that is the menu for today. I appreciate all that combo and conversation. We at the bottom of the show. Um, I want to remind everybody, it is a new month. So with a new month has what? A new book of the month. Kirby, we're really excited about this book of this month because it is personal to you and I um, because we know the author. Yes, this month, April, uh, excuse me, May. Lord, my brain. Mm, don't take us back. Don't take no, us back. Take us definitely back. not rolling back. We are all, and not only that, we are recording on Cinco de Mayo. Uh, yes. So... Uh, the book of the month for May is A Lover's Truth, which is a book of poetry by Kellen M. Parham, who is actually a member of the Neocentric Souls Poetry Troupe at Georgia Southern University uh, from, what was it, 2005 or 2006 until. Uh, so very excited for him. If I'm not mistaken, this is his first published work. Uh, so definitely go cop uh, a copy of that on all uh, book platforms, Audible, uh, Amazon. Uh, books a million, uh, Barnes and Nobles, all of the above. Apple Books, uh, in particular. I like digital book forms because I normally get most. I have my library on Apple Books. Um, so really, really excited for him. Um, and the fact that it's called A Lover's Truth and just talking about 
poems about love, being in love, falling out of love, how love make you feel, how love can sometimes get you hurt. Uh, so really, really excited to read that. And I think it's also interesting. This is our first book of poetry. We normally do uh, nonfiction um, mm -hmm. or fiction novels. So this is our first book of poetry that we are uh, putting as our book of the month. So it's not a super long read. Uh, get some inspiration or maybe even some healing. Uh, from the loves you've been in and loves you've fallen out of. So again, that's The Lover's Truce by Kellen M. Parham. Yes, I'm so excited about this. Like you said, this is different for us. And I think it was right on time. I think that everybody doesn't do the same things and the same goes with reading. So if you're not into novels or autobiographies or, you know, um, think pieces and things like that, this is a wonderful creative um, endeavor that Kellen went on. And, and I think he really poured his heart into it. Um, get into it. It's a black man doing poetry. Somebody who's a young guy. He's a father. Um, fun fact, his daughter has started writing. Oh, wow. That's um, wonderful. So that that's awesome. We'll get his contact information, um, like his social media and stuff for you guys for next uh, week and have that here as well. If you want to follow him, we'll probably reach out and let him know because we didn't even tell him we were putting his book as Book of the Month. We just support because we support our friends. Nice. Um, so of course we purchase and do all those good things and we want to share it with you guys. So we'll, we'll get some more info from, from Kellen, AKA KP, um, on the book, but yeah, that is our new book of the month. We're really excited about that. All right. Moving right along. Sometimes y'all know what time it is. You go get your food. You're so excited. You take it home. You open your box. Your fries ain't even hot. You got to do a return. We like to call those let goes on to Kirby. It was a let go of the week. I'm going to keep it short and sweet because this is something that I've experienced most of my life. And I'm, I've, I've, come, I've climbed down the mountain a little bit, but I still got a ways to go. I'm letting go of perfectionism. Um, one of my great mm. friends today, Auntie Ish, uh, brought a quote to my attention that perfectionism, um, uh, perfectionism is the enemy of progress. And she's absolutely right. Um, sometimes uh, as a creative person, I can get caught up. Um, and trying to make things exactly the way I want them to be and exactly really? how I want to be in my brain. You know, you don't have to do that to me. Um, <laughs> and sometimes that can definitely be, no, a lot of times I can be the enemy of progress. Sometimes you just got to make it right. It don't have to be perfect. So I'm letting go of perfectionism and embracing making it right, not perfect. So that's my let go for this week. All right. I love that. Let it go. Y'all ain't got to be right. and got to be perfect. Give you, you know what my dad used to tell me as a kid? When it came to my grades, even though I was stuck on making all A's, and I think he probably just saw like he didn't want to make me feel that everything had to be perfect. He used to just say, "Give me your best. I'm good with your best. And if your best ain't always a hundred percent perfection, as long as you can tell me with sincerity that you gave me your best effort, I'm proud of that, and I can accept that. You know, so if I if I might have uh, let's say I came home with a C. On a, on a test, he would say, did you give your absolute best? Did you did you give it your all? Did you give it true effort? And if I did, he said, well, I'm okay with the C. But if I had to, if I had to be honest and say no, he said, I'm not okay with that. So I think that's right. Like, it didn't have to, everything don't have to be perfect. Just give it your best shot. You know, uh, my homegirl flick, fail, fail again, fail better. She used to tell me that's how you get to where you need to go. All right, I'm loving that. Appreciate it, ma'am. And we got that good old to go box for you guys. Y'all know what it is. You go out to eat, you got a little leftover, go to the cookout, got some food um, that everybody got to take home, wrap it up in some aluminum foil, put in that good old styrofoam box. 
stick it in your refrigerator, eat on it throughout the week. We like to call this is go box, things we want you to take with you. Kirby, I'm coming to you one more time. Give the people something to eat on throughout the week. Absolutely. And really quick before I start that uh, Auntie Danny um, had an alert, so she may not be able to rejoin us. But again, we thank you for joining us and we'll give you her social media at the bottom, bottom of the show. But for the to go, go box this week, um, take a moment to be proud of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else that uh, came to the forefront of my mind today. Sometimes we're working so hard, doing so much, jumping, leaping, stampeding, etc., that we forget to stop and be proud of our victories, proud of the moments that we've overcome, goals that we've met, um, things of that nature. So take a moment this week and be proud of yourselves and carry that into next week since we gave you the episode a little bit late. I love it. Hey, man, things happen is how you come back from it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and the key is come back from it. <laughs> what uh, Craig told Smokey and Friday, hey, come back. Come back. Okay, come back from it, y'all. That's all we ask. Give us your best effort um, and come back. And with that, we are at the bottom of the show. Kirby, tell the people where first they can get with Miss Danny Vince. All right, then. So, um, and, and then we might be able to get her to jump back in on a secondary piece. But if you want to connect with Miss Danny Vince, um, I would suggest, number one, as she mentioned at the top of the show, uh, to connect with her on Instagram. Uh, you can find her at Danny Vince 3. That is D-A-N-I-V-E-N-T-S-3. Um, and you also can go to her Instagram to donate to her GoFundMe to help support her through her breast cancer journey. Mm-hmm. Um, she also uh, is on Facebook, um, as she mentioned at the top of the show. And I hope you all will go take a, a listen to her podcast, Danny Vince. Again, that is at Danny Vince 3. And as for us, you can find us at Extra Crispy Extra Wet. On Instagram, spelled phonetically, and as it is in a standard American uh, Merriam-Webster dictionary, you can contact us, hello, at com, and join us every Wednesday during active seasons for Extra Wet Wednesdays, our IG live show hosted by Nancy Nick as well, where we allow you all to come in and join the commentary with us. So, again, we're excited that everybody has been continuing to rock with us and working with us as we work through all kinds of different technical things um, and, and figuring our way out through this uh, this podcast journey. And there it is. Thank you for that. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you all for sticking with us this week during our good old technical difficulties. I know consistency is really important for us, so we couldn't let this week go without providing a podcast for this week. So we hope you enjoyed it. Um, be on the lookout for some scheduling changes, possibly. Is, is Am I right in saying that, Auntie Kirby? Potentially. Potentially. Uh, most likely. Right. Potentially some scheduling changes. We're, we're trying some things out, y'all, so bear with us. We want to get it right. Um, we got to break a few eggs to make this omelet, okay? But we're going to get it together and and, and and get it smoothed out very, very soon. All right. We'll holler at y'all next week. Maybe not the same time. Maybe not the same, I can't <laughs> same place. You. Maybe not the same time. We'll see. Um, y'all know we don't ever say goodbye. We just keep it straight Atlanta and say, all right, then, y'all. Thank y'all for continuing to rock with us. We were able to get Danny back and we're going to let you all hear her give a shout out to all of her platforms. Auntie Danny, thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. Please let the people know where they can find you. Of course. Thank you, Auntie Kirby and Auntie Nick for having me. So again, on my Instagram, my page is Danny, D-A-N-I, Vince 
B-E-N-T-S-3. So again, my Instagram page is DannyVents3. And also you can find me on all streaming platforms. And I appreciate the aunties for having me and welcoming me and letting me tell my breast cancer journey and mental health and inner peace. It was nice hanging out.